Disembodied Podcast. This is Evie Escher. This week I'm doing a little round table with friends Sonia Bowman and Tierra Harris. Since Day of the Dead is next week, otherwise known as All Saints Day and All Souls Day, it seems appropriate to talk about those who have passed on whom we may be holding in memory. It seems like every year I learn something new about how Day of the Dead is celebrated in Mexico. And out of all Latin American countries, they really celebrate the holiday with intensity. I'll be going out next week, in fact, to see some of the local altars being put up in the L.A. area. I'm looking forward to that. At any rate, the new thing I've learned this year is that there are little poems written for Day of the Dead as well. A Calabarita is a short satirical poem, and José Guadalupe Posada was a printmaker and artist who created the female skeleton known as La Katrina a hundred years ago, and he wrote Calaberitas as well. So here's one of his poems that I really like. Female solidarity, whether dead or alive, said La Katrina, taking her bow. It's easier to cry together than it is to deal with this jerk. Ha, I love it. Very cute. So with that, we'll get into the roundtable. Sit tight. Okay. Welcome to the Day of the Dead roundtable. Tierra, Sonia, good to have you. Good to see you. What do you like about this time of year? I love this time of year because not just due to Halloween and stuff, not just due to the promise of candy and the thought of dressing up in a costume, (laughs) but I kind of like the veil is thin side of things where, you know, I like the ghostly visitation thoughts. Actually, my grandmother died on October 17th, many years ago. So I do think of her naturally this time of year, regardless of day of the dead. And uh, what do you guys like about it? I have always really loved fall. Uh, I grew up on the East Coast, so for me, this time of year signifies the trees, the leaves changing. I've never been a big lover of summer. I mean, summer fun is fun initially, but after a while, it's like, gosh, can it stop being hot all the time, you know? So that bringing of the cool weather is really special. And also, my birthday is in November, so I kind of feel like I I own the fall, you know, <laughs> that's my that's my time of year. Me too. Yeah. And it's not just Halloween, it's also, you know, Thanksgiving for all of that it is a problematic holiday for, for cultural reasons. For family reasons, it's a really special time of just getting together and sharing food. So there's just so much that I love about this time of year. I was just talking to somebody the other day about how fall and winter are like my favorite time of the year, because like you mentioned, it's kind of like that thinning of the veil. And to me, like I'm always about like personal growth, like inner work. So around this time of year is especially 
special to me because this is the time of year where we're near to winter solstice. You know, there's, we have more darkness, things are slowing down. So it really is a time to self-reflect, not just on the year, but just like with yourself and self-improvement and doing that, that inner work. So for me, it's a very special time of year. And like you mentioned, it is that thinning of the veil. So um, doing any sort of like spiritual work, you know, with it being like, we're coming closer to the day of the dead, being able to connect with our ancestors and things like that, it really does hold significance in that area. So if you had an altar, you know, I was thinking if I had an altar, I don't have a day of the dead altar in my house. (laughs) But if I did, I was thinking like, what would I put out and who would I, who would I memorialize for myself? I think that I would, first of all, think of my grandmother, Marie, who is my mom's mom. Uh, She adopted my mom. Actually, my mom had a biological mom as well, but I grew up knowing uh, grandma Marie. I called her little grandma because she was far away, I guess. I don't know why we called her little grandma really, but she's very meaningful to my life. And she gave me my first cup of coffee, which was probably a bad thing to do. I have such a lifelong caffeine addiction, but she used to give me little tiny cups of coffee when I was a kid, when I would come visit her. And um, I have very fond memories of her showing me her books, which were written in German. And that's a language I studied later in life, not when I was a kid. But she showed me coins from around the world. I mean, she was very worldly. You know, she had come from Austria, immigrated to the U.S. So she knew something about the world. And I was always more focused on the world than I was the U.S. Even as a kid, I was more interested in going to other countries than like going to other states. That was where I went in my mind. I would think, okay, if I could travel, I would go to England or Ireland or Germany or South America or Asia or whatever. So my grandma had that profound influence on me. And I, I think I would definitely commemorate her. I would um, put a little coffee on my altar for grandma because she likes coffee too. And maybe some bratwurst <laughs> because she was you know, a central <laughs> European that would eat sausage and crowd and all that stuff. And I, I like some of that stuff as well. So um, she would always cook that for us. I also have a friend, Maria, that died not too long ago, a few years ago. Uh, She was my Spanish teacher at one point. We became friends and she died kind of prematurely about four years ago. And I was really sad about that. Um, I had great conversations with her. She was a very deep thinker, somebody who wrote books on the history of the Spanish language and all sorts of interesting stuff. And I, I remember her, we would go out and have Indian food together, Tibetan food, all these exotic cuisines. So I would put a little, maybe some Tibetan food out for her. (laughs) She was such a, a great presence in my life, even though I knew her not from the beginning. And I also think of my poor little kitty that died in 2021, Um, I had her for 12 years and she was such a sweetheart. She was like a snowshoe ragdoll type cat and she had a heart defect. So she did have some issues throughout her life. She would get a little bit sickly sometimes, but she lived 12 years. So she lived a couple years longer than the vet said she would live. And I really miss her. I really miss having that, that presence in the house where she's always kind of watching me and She didn't have to be on top of me or be with me all the time, but she was always near me somewhere. 
And I kind of miss that feeling. And um, what would you put on the altar for her? I would probably, it's hard because she was very picky, you know, like as cats are, they can be picky, probably a little bit of tuna or salmon or something. But um, most pet foods were like, she would like them one minute, the next minute she didn't. So it was, she was a hard cat to please. (laughs) And lastly, I think I would commemorate my grandmother, Vera, my mom's biological mom that I never met. And we found her, we kind of figured out that she was not living very far from me before she died uh, about five years ago. She's living in Anaheim and I'm in Costa Mesa. And it's a shame that I never got to know her, but I figured out kind of zeroed in on where she was and everything. And then I saw a notice when I had found her relatives that she had just died. I was so pissed that here she only lived like maybe 20 miles from me. All these years I've been in this area and I could have met up with her, but I found her too late. And I, I didn't know her, but I did get a picture of her because somebody sent me her funeral notice with a picture of her. So I would put her picture on my altar because um, even though I didn't know her, I wish I had known her. And I'm sure she would have wanted to know me and my brother and my mom and it's, it's just like a lost opportunity, I think. And that kind of bums me out. So what about you guys? Well, I would put my grandmother, my father's mother on my altar. Her name is Mildred. And I feel the closest to her out of both of my grandmothers because I spent most of the time with her when I was growing up in my childhood. And I just remember... Uh, She was a really foxy lady. She loved all the grandchildren. She loved to dress nice. And there was this one fur coat that she would like always wear to church. And she didn't want anybody to touch it. But what really touched me about her is that I got a lot of my etiquette and like for formalities from her because I remember I was probably like eight or nine and I was over her house and I was about to eat some spaghetti and I was trying to like scoop it up. And she looked at me and she was like, that's not how you eat spaghetti. This is how you eat spaghetti. And she like came over to the table and she like stuck the fork and she twirled the the fork around. And then she's like, so this is how you eat it. And I was like, oh, so that's how they get spaghetti on the, the fork. So it was just through like stuff like that, not just even with like etiquette, but just like with communicating with people, you know, even like my style, like I feel like I got that from her and her energy, it it really like rubbed off on me. So she passed in, I believe it was 2009 um, and she was sick, but an interesting thing happened because I normally I would like sleep through the night, but she passed around 6 a.m. And so after she passed, it was probably like a month after, I would wake up at like 6 a.m. in the morning, like every single day. And that didn't happen until like after she passed. So I really feel like it was like, you know, her spirit, you know, kind of coming to to be with me at that time. So she really liked sauerkraut. I know you mentioned your your granny like kraut. So she loves sauerkraut. That would definitely be on on an altar if I had one for her. She loved Louisiana crunch cake. She loved fruit cake. And then she also loved the powder blue color. So and she always had a scarf. So I would definitely put some type of like powder blue scarf on her altar. She loved gangster movies. <laughs> I don't, she was such a funny lady, but she loved criminal movies. I don't know why I was never into like criminal stuff, but she loved 
old gangster movies. So I would definitely put, um, what's the, the gangster movie? The Godfather. She loved watching The Godfather. She would watch it like multiple times. That would definitely be on her altar. So I would definitely celebrate her with that. Oh, that's sweet. Any pets? I do have a pet that I was, I was thinking about. He kind of passed in like such an odd way. He was my first dog. So he was a family dog. His name was Lucky. He was a German shepherd and he was, he was such a protector. He, he passed also in my childhood. But what I remember about him is that he was like always a guard dog. Like he was super nice to us. But if anybody walked past our gate, like he would always bark. Nobody dared come in our yard because everybody was scared of Lucky. And so there was one person who lived on the next block and he was not, so he was like a criminal. So like I said, like my dog, he was very protective. So he barked whenever he saw like something suspicious and unfortunately he passed away from a, a poisoning. So um, it was, it was really sad and it hurt a lot of us because he had also, we had another dog named Jasmine and they were like husband and wife because they had like two, two different batches of pups. And so both of them passed away, like within a week of each other. It was really, really devastating. And we ended up burying both of them, like on the side of the house. But he really loved gravy train. (laughs) He loved gravy train. So I would definitely put that on his altar. And he was just a really fun dog to be around. So I would definitely honor him in that aspect. Aww. Yeah. Dogs are so like a part of the family sometimes, especially when you're a kid. I think it's like yeah. such a sustaining force in the family to have a dog around, you know, that the kids can hug and play with and all that. Yeah, he was definitely more than just a pet. He was family. And so, like I say, he was really, really super protective over us. But he was always like very friendly, too. So it's kind of like a weird type situation. But um yeah. It was definitely like our family. Sweet. What about you, Sonia? Well, I have lost all of my grandparents at this point in time. And although I loved them all in their own way, I have to say that I experienced their death more through the lens of my parents, you know, watching them grieve. I can say that my grandmother and grandfather from my mom's side, my grandmother passed and then within a month, my grandfather passed. So that was one of those really beautiful love stories of he just really couldn't live without her. And so I would certainly honor them and their love and the enormous family that they built. My grandmother had 10 children and I always think about her over the course of like 25 years, just almost constantly being pregnant or nursing, you know? And so I just have a lot of um, sympathy, empathy for her, but also recognizing that, you know, that was a farming community in Georgia and that's just how things were done then. So all of my grandparents would be you know, recognized on an altar, but the first time that I felt grief on my own was when I lost my dear friend Tim to suicide in 2019. Tim was the first person I dated when I moved to Los Angeles in 2006, but it quickly became clear that the relationship we had was more, you know, almost familial. He became more like a brother and a a best friend to me, and he was a very close friend over the years. 
he was like an honorary uncle to my son. And um, especially after I had my son, I mean, you know, I was kind of a party girl at that time. All of my friends were about going out and having fun. So to have the, the friend who would show up at my house with a box of pizza and a bottle of wine and a couple of movies to pick from, he was really very special to me and had a very close part in my heart. So when I lost him, especially in such a devastating way as suicide, it was a life-changing grief. I can honestly say that I am a different person now in a way that even though I love my grandparents and I love my family, I just never grieved the way that I grieved then because he was such a big part of my life. I mean, I had seen him less than a week before, you know? So that was very devastating for me. But even though I was angry and kind of blaming him for putting his, I, you know, the first thing I said was like, when you commit suicide, you don't end your pain. You take all of your pain and you force it on everyone who loves you. But eventually I got to kind of realize that that's really victim blaming. How sad that he thought he would never be happy again. How sad that he thought there was no way to feel better. And so as I came to see him and recognize the pain and really feel that sympathy for him, I started to celebrate all the good things that he brought into my life. Tim was a one of a kind character and he had this motto of yes. So when he would do the yes practice, he actually had yes shaved into the back of his head. And whatever anyone would ask him, do you wanna to donate to this charity? Can I have a dollar? Do you wanna go out with me to this thing? He would say yes. So for like six months, it's just any question he got, yes, yes. And so I think about that practice a lot and I, I really focus on the, the wonders that he brought to life. He loved music, movies. So if I were to create an altar, I would definitely have things honoring my grandparents, but I would have things for Tim would be a glass of red wine, a piece of pizza from his favorite pizza place in Eagle Rock, Casabianca. I would have a CD or some kind of music from his favorite band, Muse. And uh, he was a screenwriter, so I would do um, one of his films. He really loved movies. And as far as pets are concerned, uh, I've lost a lot of pets that I really love, but the one that I would honor on my altar would be Kitty. We weren't very clever with her name, but I grew up with her. We got her when I was like four years old and uh, she, you know, I had her basically until college and halfway through college. And so I grew up with her. She was a very special cat. If, you know, I would be crying in those tumultuous preteen years and, you know, just sitting in my room crying and it didn't matter where she was, she would come and find me and just sit with me and be with me. So she was really special and I, I still think of her a lot. That's sweet. Cats have, you know, cats get a bad rap for being kind of selfish or having boundaries with humans, but really my experience has been that they're pretty caring and they do sense when something's wrong with you. So I, I totally agree that, you know, they can be very calming when you're upset and, you know, they're not, <laughs> They're not quite as aloof as people probably think right. that they are, right? 
Well, that's kind of a, it's a heavy loss with your friend. I think suicide is always a premature type of death that is very hard to wrap your heart around, let alone mm-hmm. your head. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that you lost Tim like that. But the thing about Day of the Dead is it's always remembering, you know, the joyful side of being with people and just remembering that the life in them, I guess. So absolutely. And the thing that I try to bring to the table now, because it seems at first glance, like the ultimate selfish act. But what we have to recognize is that mental illness is illness. Mm-hmm. And just like cancer will kill you, depression will kill you without help, without intervention. And so that's the thing that I keep reminding myself is that Tim was not in his right frame of mind. He was in a diseased brain that wasn't getting the help that he needed. So it is very sad, but it won't take away. I won't let it rob me of all of the, you know, we were very close for, I think, 13 years. He was one of my closest friends. And I'm not going to forget those good times because the ending was awful. I will remember the good he brought to my life. Yeah, that's the best way to think of it. And, you know, I mean, I would say you'd see him again someday, but some people believe that some people don't. But, you know, those energies continue on just like our energy will continue on. I still feel his presence. You know, there are some times when I almost feel like I see him out of the corner of my eye. I had a dream recently where I found a card, a greeting card. I was kind of going through, you know, your junk drawer. So I was kind of in my dream digging through my junk drawer and I pulled out this card and I was like, oh, what is this? And it said to my sister from her brother and on the inside of the card, it said with love from Tim. And I woke up crying from that, but I know that he was... I mean, that was very significant for me. You know, it was very touching. Yeah, I feel like I hear from my grandmother, the one that I knew. I I hear from her periodically, I get messages from her. And I feel like she was always with me, you know, even after she died, because I died, or she died when I was like going on 11, I think. And it was a pretty significant loss to me. So I always felt her presence and uh, she was pretty close to me. So I hear from my friend Maria too. I get messages from her sometimes. So, I mean, I, I don't feel that people are lost forever once they die. I, I don't have that feeling myself, but maybe it's out there to, to talk about, you know, communing with people that are gone, but someday, you know, I'll be dead too. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you have to face that and it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. And better to understand it from this side of the veil rather than be worried about it, I guess, worried about that transition. I don't feel like I fear it because I guess I get input from people that have passed. And that kind of builds confidence too, like what what you're saying, like not being afraid of death because when we die, it's just our energy is just transitioning into another form so although that person is gone technically from the physical world, like they're still here around us, we just can't see them. And we do, we get messages through dreams or, you know, if we hear a song or something that just reminds us of that person, like that's, that's a connection right there. I think it's great to have this time of year, this kind of 
when things are getting a little darker, you know, the, the sun isn't shining so brilliantly and brightly every day, we have time for remembrance and mm-hmm. a good way to disconnect with not only who we are, but who has influenced us in a positive way. Love this time for reflection, even, even with that too, inner family, deceased ancestors, it really is a time to connect because we are closer to the darkness. So that veil is definitely lifting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, you guys for joining me in this. And I hope to see you maybe in the coming weeks and maybe we'll do a Halloween celebration together. I don't know. Oh, that'd be cool. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you too. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of this discussion. Thank you.